Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... They claim to be the people of God, these workers of iniquity, these people who are spreading falsehoods about the gospel. They look the part. They stand in pulpits, loved ones. They'll say, look, here's what the Bible, they read the Bible, and then they'll tell you their great ideas about everything. They preach a false gospel. Many of you who are older remember the days of of the preaching of legalism, that you had to do this and still around today, but not near as much. Can we ever do enough to earn salvation? In Pastor Jim's message, he addresses this question of being good enough for God. Many people feel that if they follow certain rules or rituals, that this will be enough to get into heaven. This deceptive teaching leads us into a false sense of hope in our future. Lucky for us, we have to simply trust in God's Son to be His child. However, we must be on the lookout for the prevalent false doctrine that strives to tell us that we can earn our salvation through our specific actions. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Joyful Anger. If we're always miserable, how vulnerable will we be? Because we'll make decisions based on not being miserable. Whereas if we're rejoicing in the Lord, we'll be making decisions are, is it wise? Is it God glorifying? Is this what God has for me? Much of the word of God is dedicated to teaching us about the faith, about building our faith, about patching the cracks in the wall of our faith, helping us to sustain our faith, helping us to grow our faith. And yet notice the heart of God in the midst of all this. He says this, it's okay that I have to keep reminding you of this. It's okay that I have to keep telling you this because it's so important because it's how God keeps us safe. I think it's an important key here to the Christian life that it is rejoicing that brings joy to a follower of Jesus. How often do we think we've bought into the American mindset that if all the ducks are in a row, if everything is the way we want it to be, we'll be happy. We'll have joy. And the Bible, as it always does, comes and takes the ways of man and flips them upside down and says, no, that's not the way it goes. It is rejoicing that will bring you joy because joy is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is amazing to me how many people want to be happy. Do you ever notice that? Now, the Bible uses that word interchangeably with the word blessed. And I think the Apostle Paul is telling us all this morning, you want to be happy, you want to be blessed? Let the Lord make you happy. Let the Lord bless you. How, how, how? Obey the command. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, number two, we move from the command to a caution, and the language really changes here. This is definitely one of those examples of our English Bibles cleaning it up because they're like, oh, God would never put that stuff in his word. Don't worry, later in the chapter, he's going to use the word dung. So yeah, he uses words like that. 
So a caution, verse two, beware. Okay, put the big sign up over your heart. Beware. Look out. Watch out. Be on your guard. It's coming. Beware of dogs. Does your sign have a beware of dogs? Does your heart have a beware of dog sign on it? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Some of your versions say those who mutilate the flesh. In verse 3, we'll see that he's talking about circumcision, which is a sacred rite for the Jews. So the Apostle Paul is not happy. He's talking about a group of people, uh, particularly read the book of Galatians, a whole book really dedicated to those jokers. Remember, J.B. Phillips called them the uninvited sham brothers. And he's talking about a whole group of people called the Judaizers who believe that, yes, it's faith in Jesus is good, plus you have to do something else. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the law of Moses. You say, thank goodness those people aren't around anymore. Of course they are. Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus being a good person. Just doing those things will get you to heaven. And the word of God, friends, is crystal clear on this. Crystal clear. And that's why today is not really a jokey message. You're like, first service, like, not a lot of jokes, Pastor Jim. Right? Is that a, this is no joking matter today. The Bible is crystal clear that trusting in what we do, no matter how religious, no matter how moral, will not get you to heaven. We've said many times before that salvation, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life comes first, and then in response, we do the good works. It's not that the good works come first, and then in response, God gives us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. The religious ceremonies of the Bible are very important but they are not how we get salvation. They point to salvation. When you go down the street, you might see a sign that points to a city. The sign is not the city. The sign points to the city. And so in the Old Testament, the Lord gave us many, many ceremonies that the Jews did that were signs. Don't gloss over it. Passover was a sign. The priesthood was a sign of the great high priest who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple, a sign. The sacrifices were a sign. They looked forward to the Messiah. They looked forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. They anticipated the Messiah. They were the hope of God's people. Just like baptism, Baptism is a, an outward sign of an inward reality where someone comes and says, my heart has been cleansed by God and I'm going to make a public demonstration that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. After the cross and the resurrection, the apostles went out and they were preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they went out and through the Roman Empire were doing, they were planting churches Acts 15.1 says this, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. So they're teaching this to Christian people. 
unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's false. That is not true. That is anti-Christ. That is attacking the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Acts 15.2 says this, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. So Paul and Barnabas didn't go, well, that's just the way you see it. No, Paul was like, you know, that's wrong. That's wrong. What you're telling these people is not true. And so here in Philippians 3, verse 2, like a father, the apostle Paul says, beware, beware, beware. Like a father, son, daughter, I know you might think you know a lot, but there's much you don't know. And there are things that are going to come at you that are just not going to be true. They're not going to be geared for you to follow Jesus. They're going to be geared for you to follow something else. And beware. Be so very, very careful. And he uses three very strong words to describe that the people in the church in Philippi, and by extension, all of us would take notice that we would see it coming, that we would not be sucked in. But the father is also a prophet with an urgent message. And a lot of times you read in the prophets, they use tough, tough words to shock people, to literally to shake their ears. You say, well, I... I like the New Testament better. John the Baptist to religious people, you brood of vipers. You snakes. Jesus Christ, well, Jesus would never say such things. Woe to you hypocrites. Could you imagine that? (laughs) Calling religious people hypocrites and calling out woes on them. And here the apostle, like the prophets of the Bible, calls these people who would bring another gospel to them dogs. Don't think pets. Don't think your nice little dog that sits on your lap while you watch television. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about unclean disease-carrying scavengers. Think of a mangy raccoon. Think of your neighbor's dog who keeps knocking over your garbage and they don't pick it up. Prowlers in the middle of the night seeking to devour. Also the name that the Jews had given the pagans, Gentile dogs, evil workers. There are so many different terms for this in the Bible. And interesting They claim to be the people of God. These workers of iniquity, these people who are spreading falsehoods about the gospel, they look the part. They stand in pulpits, loved ones. They'll say, look, here's what the Bible, they read the Bible and then they'll tell you their great ideas about everything. They preach a false gospel. Many of you who are older remember the days of of the preaching of legalism, that you had to do this, and still around today, but not near as much. You had to do this, and to do that, and to do this, or God would not be pleased with you. Those of you who are parents know that there is just, that's just not the way parenting works. You have a child, you love your child. Do they break your heart? Yes, they do. 
and they may do things that you may not like or that may anger you, but they are still your child. And other people would say, like, if you want God to still be your father, you have to do this and that and that. Today, it's perhaps turning the corner to what we call liberalism, which discounts the word of God, which says, you know, we'll take parts of it and not other parts. We'll eat the chicken and spit out the bones. The apostle comes along and says, they are not helpful. In fact, they're actually the opposite. They're harmful. Beware, beware, beware. And perhaps worst of all, the word mutilation Literally, they are cutters. They think that cutting the flesh of a man will make him look good to God. Not understanding the circumcision of the heart. Not understanding that it was God's cutting of God's own son. That truly could make someone pleasing to God. And they thought that the ritual of circumcision guaranteed entrance to the kingdom of God. And God comes here and says, no, their hearts are far from me. They think by some outward ritual. They can be pleasing to me instead of just becoming my child by trusting in my son. Deuteronomy 10, 16, all the way back in the book of Moses. There are so many references to this in the Bible, talking to circumcised people. God says this, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Jeremiah 4, 4, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. On and on we could go. Imagine the response to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, 25, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised. But, But we're God's people, we're circumcised. Jeremiah's going, no, you're not. No, you're not. You've just done some religious right. That doesn't make you God's people. It was a sign. It was pointing to a greater reality. You have not embraced you have not trusted in. For them, it was the trusting of the coming Messiah. For us, it's trusting in the Messiah that has already come. Then the Apostle Paul would write these words after Jesus, Romans 2, verse 28. He says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but God. How politically incorrect. Imagine now we come up on some Jewish holidays and your friend says, well, I'm a Jew. And you go open up Romans 2. You go, well, no, you're not. (laughs) You're one outwardly, but you're not one inwardly. But before we judge anyone who would buy into this stuff, hasn't so much of the so-called Christian church done the same with the New Testament sacraments? How many people would say, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized? When the Bible clearly teaches, if that's your attitude, if that's your posture towards God, you're not a believer. Beware, beware, beware. Well, we move from a command, rejoice in the Lord, 
to a caution, beware, be on the guard for false deceptive teaching to a confidence. Now here's our problem with verse three. It's probably a two or three sermon verse. Quick show of hands, how many need to go to work Tuesday? Okay, (laughs) we'll have you out in time, don't worry. Verse three, he says, for we, and those are people who are committed followers of Christ, those who have trusted in God's way of salvation, we are the circumcision. We are. Because hearts are circumcised. And then he gives us a great, fabulous definition of a Christian. Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, flesh means different things in the Bible. Here, the application would be anything outside of Jesus Christ that would get you to heaven. Kenneth Weiss, the great Bible scholar, uh, master of the Greek language, he translated this way. I just love this. For as for us, he says, we are the circumcision, those who by the Spirit of God are rendering sacred service and obedience and who are exalting in Christ Jesus, and this is critical, who have not come to a settled persuasion, trusting in the flesh, and then he puts in parentheses, human worthiness and attainment. It is so important we remember. Now, again, we just said before in the announcements that we are entering September, October, and November. This is a time when a lot of people start to think about coming back to church. This is why it's important that we invite our friends and our loved ones to come hear the word of God because most people live in the settled persuasion that if I am a good person, I'm going to heaven. That is the incorrect Settled persuasion. The the settled persuasion must be that I have submitted myself to God's way by putting my trust in God's son as the only way. We've said this before. I've joked with you before. If you're new, you probably don't know this. I have a law degree from Harvard. You don't believe me. I made one. I went to Staples and got a little thing and said, law degree, Harvard. Now, I've heard the bizarre thing that Harvard actually says, you can't tell people you have a law degree from our college, our university, unless you go there and earn it. To which I protest. I say, are you telling me that I can't just proclaim this is what I am because this is what I want? You have rules? You have standards? You have, you have some sort of code? And they would say to me, yes, can't God have the same thing? Can't God have the same thing? If God says, no matter how you are, the way to get in is to put your trust in my son, to submit to the gospel. So physical circumcision pointed to the reality of the spiritual circumcision of the heart that God does in all of those who trust in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Including Christian rites and rituals done without faith. When I was seven years old, I made my first Holy Communion. Do you know what it meant? Nothing. Do you know what it meant to me? 
I was interested in how much money I was going to get from my relatives. So you know what it meant to God? Nothing. It was putting a, a wafer and, and wine or grape juice, whatever it was, in my mouth. That's all it was. And making money doing it. <laughs> so the true circumcision of the heart is a spiritual work of God done by God to all of those who respond to what Jesus has done by turning to God and putting their trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible, you say, like, we talk about this all the time because it's in the Bible over and over and over again. I don't want to embarrass him, but he's sitting here. One of my dear friends in the church told me this week, you're like, which one is he? All right, I'll give you a hint. He's on this side. (laughs) Told me this week that he sat here for a year before the dime dropped. And God reminded me how many people in our church that said, I was here, I thought I was a Christian until I got here, or I sat here a long time before it all kind of actually made sense that I have to stop trusting in myself and that I trust in Jesus. And that being said, I understand why God brings it up over and over and over again. And if I want to be a responsible pastor, I will bring it up to you over and over again. For such people, the gospel is the power of God that has changed their hearts, that has changed their lives, and changed their eternal destiny. I love the way the the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians 2. He says, verse 11, In him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So who does it? God. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Okay, baptism is what? Just an outward response of an inward reality, outward sign, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Who does the work? God. And you being dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Let me stop right there for a second. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I realize that some of the stuff I have said to you is very offensive to you. Okay? If you feel I've been inaccurate to the Bible, I would love to meet you after the service and you can show me the errors of my way. I think that you'll find that your, your objection is not to me, but it's to the Bible, to Jesus and the apostles, the founders of Christianity. Forget about what people changed it to hundreds of years later. Let's go back to the, these guys. The manuscript evidence is plain. These are the words. We're, we're right there. We're right. Nothing changes the meaning. And here is the, here's really what sets a Christian apart from a non-Christian. We all feel bad about the stuff we do. What sets a Christian apart, the Apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. What sets a Christian apart is that I'm this way. Then no matter how hard I try and change, some things change, but the sinfulness in me just doesn't change. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I can't wait to see Jesus' face and not be this way anymore. See, we can all be upset about the things that we've done, but a true follower of Christ, even though they know that they're forgiven, like the apostle, hates that we're this way. We hate it. And so we read about being dead in our trespass and sins and uncircumcision of our flesh, and we go, that's right. That's what I was. 
And then the Apostle Paul says this, he has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And while the person who doesn't follow Christ is offended, while the person who's sort of in between doesn't know what to think of it, the person who's a true follower says, thank be to God. Pastor Jim will have more insights to share from the book of Philippians the next time you join us. You've been listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. This message from the book of Philippians is available to anyone who calls 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the right teaching in your hands. Again, you can get a copy of today's study on CD when you call 973-659-3380 or by sending an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love also has a website with quite a bit of information. The address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. That's www.changedbyloveradio.com. At the website, you can check out our additional resources, drop us a note, or give securely to support the ongoing expenses of bringing you this program. Changed by Love is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located at 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. From all of the production team, we want to say thank you for joining us today, and we pray that God's Word would change your lives in more ways than you've ever dreamed possible. Please mark your Bibles and join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, right here on Changed by Love.